Welcome to the Love Life Podcast, episode number four, Feel Better with Self-Care and Self-Compassion. It's December 12th, 2020. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and clearly, obviously, podcaster. What I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy. And as a disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and the music for my podcast is by Howie Moscovich. Feel better with self-care and self-compassion. I have to be honest with you and tell you these are two of my very favorite subjects, although I do have a lot of favorite subjects. The reason I've put these two topics together, even though they're different, is because they have synergy and they really dovetail together nicely. They're just like a hand and glove, so I really think it makes total sense to work on both of them together if you're going to do one or the other. So before I go into what I'm going to cover today, I just want to give you an idea. Self-care is a noun. And as a noun, what it refers to is the practice of taking actions to improve or preserve one's own health and the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness in particular during times of stress. So self-care really is, in my opinion, a foundational skill set that absolutely everyone needs to have. And it's really has a ton of benefits, which I'll cover in a minute. So that's really the essence of self-care. And we don't just we just don't talk about self-care enough, in my opinion. Self-compassion is when you are kind to yourself. There's something inside of our brains, which is commonly referred to as your inner critic. And your inner critic gives very negative, typically like 95% of the time, very negative messages to yourself. So when you have self-compassion, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple minutes, these are skills that, especially when combined with self-care, that are going to help you alleviate depression or reduce depression, anxiety, and negative emotions. When you boost and improve your self-care and self-compassion, you're going to see an increase in energy. You are definitely, absolutely going to feel better and be happier. And if you're a parent or a grandparent listening to this, or an aunt or an uncle, I really hope that you just take this on massively and teach your children or grandchildren or your nieces and nephews, because these are skills that help people be functional in regular life, in normal life, and absolutely be functional when times are really hard, pandemic or no pandemic. So here's what I'm going to be covering today. I'm going to be covering, you know, the the kind of nature of self-care and self-compassion. I'm going to cover some benefits for each of those two topics I think it's interesting to take a sidebar and and discuss very briefly why people don't take care of themselves or why they're lacking in self-care 
as well as some of the obstacles to self-compassion and also a sidebar on the negative effects of self-criticism because they are quite stunning. I mean, the research uh, is just amazing to me. And then I'm going to get into the steps that will help you get on this journey or this road to self-care and self-compassion and bring it fully into your life. And lastly, call to action. So in the beginning, I'm going to make my shameless plug, which is go to my website where you can not only read the contents of my book for free. I mean, it's not a free PDF. You just have to read all the blog posts, but you can enter for free uh, for my giveaway to get free stuff. So that's available. That's my shameless plug. And I also have a, a disclaimer in all my podcasts and all my blog posts, which is that I am not a medical health professional or a therapist. If you are suicidal, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking if you have any thoughts of harming yourself or suicide, please get in action. Please call someone. Tell someone call one of the suicide hotline numbers. There's quite a few, actually some states have their own. Get help. My videos, my blog posts, my podcasts, all of that is designed to help you deal with, you know, sadness, loneliness, isolation, depression, anxiety. But if you're suicidal, I'm asking you to take an action because your life matters and people do care, even if you're feeling like people don't care. So that's my disclaimer. And now we're going to move into what is self-care and self-compassion in a practical sense. Self-care is basically any actions or things that you do that take care of yourself. So when I go through this step, you'll have a much better idea. But basically, self-care includes taking care of your physical body, your mind, your emotions, your spirit, which you could call your heart or your soul, and the environment in which you live, work, play, could include your car. So any actions that you take to take care of yourself. And this is huge when you're under stress. If you have great self-care skills, that's a coping mechanism for life. That's going to get you through life so much better than not having those skills. And again, we'll talk about that a little bit more. So I want to distinguish for you self-compassion because we really don't talk about self-compassion very much in the world or society. Self-compassion is treating yourself like you would treat a good friend with love, with understanding, and you know, knowing that we don't have to be perfect in life. So if we break down the world the word self-compassion and look at the word compassion. What does compassion mean? Compassion is defined as the ability to show love, empathy, and concern for people who are having problems or experiencing a hardship in life, or it can be the desire to help someone who is suffering. Paul Gilbert is the founder of the Compassionate Mind Foundation and he asserts that the foundation of self-compassion is rooted in courage. And he also believes 
that self-compassion is one of the most important declarations of strength and courage in humanity. So self-compassion is important. And the opposite of self-compassion is what's known as self-criticism or also to be known to have a self-defeating tendency. When we talk about self-compassion, the term inner critic frequently comes up. And when I say, or people refer to inner critic, what they're really mentioning and pointing to is that little voice inside your head or those thoughts, those reoccurring thoughts that are not very nice to you and not very kind to you. And I think statistically speaking, I read that 95% of the inner critic thoughts are really very bad. So being highly critical of yourself doesn't necessarily mean that you're a perfectionist, although having a high or strong inner critic can be an aspect of being a perfectionist or perfectionism. There are extremely significant and very bad consequences or impacts of having a strong inner critic. So developing self-compassion is going to give you enormous benefits, which I'll cover in a a minute. So one of the things about self-compassion is it involves understanding that failure is a part of life. Like it's okay to fail and treating yourself with empathy when it comes to personal failures or shortcomings or painful situations in life. Understanding that failure is a part of being human and the human experience gives greater appreciation for humanity and the human condition. So when you build skills for self-compassion, you're going to be more resilient and have better psychological benefits and have a greater sense of humanity. So we're going to look at the contrast between the benefits of self-care and then the benefits of self-compassion. And I want you to listen to this list. So I have listed about 15, 16 benefits for self-care. And I want you to listen to this list of benefits from the standpoint Are you interested in those benefits? Would you like those benefits? Would those benefits be good for you? Because that might help you get motivated when we get into the tip section about how, what are the steps to take to boost your self-care. So benefits of self-care, number one, you're going to feel better. It will help you be happy and healthier. It increases your psychological well-being, meaning your mental health. It increases motivation. It makes it easier to deal with stressful situations and helps you be more productive. Self-care boosts your immune system by activating your parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system, which gives you resistance to disease. It increases self-esteem. It increases self-awareness. It increases your energy and it reduces or can reduce psychological symptoms. For example, those symptoms from de- of depression, anxiety, worry, fear, etc. It can lower your health care costs. It promotes, promotes a healthy relationship with yourself. And when I say that, I mean self-love, self-compassion, self-kindness. Other people benefit when you feel good about yourself and are taking care of yourself. It 
and it helps to increase your resilience. And I have added for my own humor that it can help you look young or younger than you are. All right, so those are some of the benefits. Would you be interested in that? Who wouldn't be interested in that? I mean, come on, you don't want to be happier, have more energy, feel good. Like, it's just an amazing list. And I want you to listen for the benefits because I'm going to cover the benefits of self-compassion which are different. There's a little overlap, but they are a little different. So benefits of self-compassion, that's when you're taming your inner critic, you're being nicer to yourself. So number one, happiness. Two, optimism. Three, wisdom. Uh, four, increased personal, personal initiative. Uh, increased curiosity and exploration. Agreeableness, conscientiousness, extroversion. It builds resilience. It builds personal strength. It decreases stress, increases productivity, provides peace of mind, lowers levels of depression and anxiety, improves your body image, provides greater life satisfaction, strengthens mental health, increases motivation to improve yourself, you're better able to face life, and interestingly also from the research, um, benefits of self-compassion that will in self-compassion it activates oxytocin which is the love hormone helping you to feel safer and more secure and lastly will give you a greater sense of humanity i think those are just remarkable benefits i don't know why you wouldn't want that because you just want to feel bad and not great no no people want to feel good they just don't know what to do to get there all right, next I'm going to talk about obstacles to self-care because these are the things that stop people from doing what's good for them. It's going to stop them from receiving all the benefits I just covered under self-care. And I know these are not, this is not the entire list. This is the most common things that I hear or that you see in the research. Um, people don't engage in self-care because they don't, they say they don't have the time or they lack, it's not in their comfort zone to do self-care. Like it's just out of their comfort zone. They lack motivation. Another reason is they are attached to unhealthy behaviors. Sometimes people don't engage in self-care because they don't feel like they're worth it on some level. They're feeling unworthy. Sometimes people don't do self-care because they have never seen self-care role modeled and or they're just simply unaware of it. Another reason is people have difficulty maintaining healthy behaviors over time. Next up, they prioritize other people as being more important than themselves. Next up, they are engaging in some form of self-sabotage by not caring for themselves. So that's, a, that's an unconscious or subconscious behavior. And lastly, they lack some form of support or, or encouragement to change. So those are not the only reasons why people don't engage in self-care, but they're kind of the top ones. Now, I want to kind of contrast that with why are people so hard on themselves or what are the obstacles to self-compassion? Well, I have uh, 19, so I'm just going to read them off. Feeling unworthy controlled by negative emotions like shame, sadness, etc. Feeling like you are not good enough. Feeling too overwhelmed with life. No experience or role model of self-compassion. Low emotional skills or abilities. 
trauma, either from the past or currently, viewing it as a selfish idea or selfish concept, childhood abuse or maltreatment, PTSD, mental health issues like psychopathology, antisocial personality disorders, borderline personality disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, etc., fears, viewing it as weakness, having trust issues, negative thinking or pessimism, very strong inner critic, burnout, viewing it as a failure, and perfectionism. So those are some of the obstacles, not all of them, but a lot of them. So sidebar on why people don't engage in self-care or necessarily self-compassion. Well, some of the top ones, if we kind of distilled them down into, you know, a general category, in my personal opinion, based on a long, long history of working with people, one of the reasons is excuses. So people will offer excuses. Well, I can't do this or I can't do that. And they have all kinds of reasons and all kinds of excuses. Another form of it is justifications where they're justifying their behavior or why they, you know, are doing what they're doing instead of what would be good for them. Resignation is another one that I just want to pause on. So resignation is when you feel like it just won't matter or, you know, like you can't, you can't, uh, you can't win. So why bother? It's really this very deep seated, um, kind of black, black hole. You're in the black hole and, and resignation though is something that you can deal with. All of these things are things you can deal with. Another reason is victim mentality. And some people, you know, just live their life as the victim or a martyr. And that's just kind of their, their MO. So my question for you is who is going to take care of you if you don't take care of yourself? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't have anybody to take care of me if I don't take care of myself. Well, actually, I have three children, but what kind of mother would put that on their children? You don't want to be putting your stuff on your kids or other people because, in my opinion, that's just selfish. And I think I think it's, it's selfishness sometimes, but that's my opinion. Now, before we get into the steps for you to bring this joyous, and I mean, like, you want to have fun in life, people. And self-care and self-compassion can definitely be fun. Like, why not have it be fun? I want to touch on the negative effects of not having self-compassion. So when you don't have self-compassion, what you have is self-criticism. And it's extremely serious and very bad. So I'm just going to read off some of the, this is all from the research, by the way, uh, what we know about negative effects of self-criticism. So that's when you don't have self-compassion. So number one, it can lead to psychopathology. And of course, we know that's never good. It can lead to personal maladjustment or social maladjustment, more interpersonal problems. It's associated with loneliness. It's associated with depression. It's associated with a lack of intimacy. It's associated with an increased likelihood of rejection. It's associated with marital, <clears throat> marital dissatisfaction. It's associated with eating disorders. It is predictive of anxiety disorders and phobias. It is associated with PTSD. It increases unhappiness. It increases stress and it decreases motivation. So those 
That's 15 different negative effects based on the research, what we know to date, on the effects of self-criticism. And I probably, you know, there's probably a few more, but those are the top 15. That's really bad. Like, you don't want to have psychopathology. You don't want to have more loneliness or depression or like, you know, no, you don't want to have that stuff. No, no, no. We don't want anybody to have that stuff. So if you don't want to have that stuff and you want to go back, when I mentioned earlier, the great juicy benefits of having, you know, self-care and self-compassion, yeah, you want to get on this journey because why not? Like life is hard, so don't make it harder. Make life easier by building skills, habits, practices, attitude, empowering attitudes and beliefs, etc. So let's get on the road for steps for self-care and self-compassion. And by the way, I have uh, a video on self-care and self-compassion, one on each on my YouTube channel. And I have a whole blog post on self-care and self-compassion, which goes into greater detail than I'm going into in this podcast because A, I'm combining two topics into one and B, that information is already there. So I'm not going to repeat myself, but here's the way I break down self-care, which may not, may not be the way everyone else breaks down self-care because I'm really comprehensive. Like self-care, man, you want to be taking care of yourself and having fun doing it. Why not? So number one, I have sleep. Well, one of the reasons I have sleep as, as number one on this list is because the only time your body can repair itself from any damage or from what's going on in life is when you're sleeping. And we know from the research that way too many Americans and people in the world don't get either enough sleep or they're not getting high quality sleep. And I have a whole blog post on pandemic sleeping tips. So if you're somebody who's not a great sleeper, you're not getting quality sleep or enough sleep, you definitely want to look at my blog post on pandemic sleeping tips and and work through it. Because I'm going to tell you, I have coached a number of people over the last 20 five years about how to become a better sleeper. And there's actually steps to take. And I have never had anyone come back to me in the end and say, Oh no, now I'm not, I'm not sleeping any better. No, people figure it out. And I've even coached young people in this and they're so excited when they go through the process and then can start sleeping well. So sleep is super critical. Not just that you get enough, but you're getting good quality sleep. So next up is diet and nutrition. Well, I have had a long journey in nutrition and the importance of nutrition in health and well wellness from things I had to do in life with helping other people. So the thing about your diet and your, your nutrition, we don't kind of have this mental idea in our head that what we put in our mouths, generally speaking, equates to what kind of gasoline we put in our car. I mean, I don't know anybody who would knowingly put bad gas in their car. Like there is a thing called bad gas. I think it's probably reduced that it, it's not, it's less common to have bad gas, I think, for cars than it was, say, 20 or 30 years ago. But there used to be this thing called bad gas. And you just want to, don't want to put bad gas in your car because it's not good for your car. So we don't, but we don't look at like how we eat and nutrition as, you know, preventing cancer. Well, they're talking about it, but they're really not talking about it in a meaningful way. And if you missed my blog post or my podcast on my podcast number three, dealing with um, managing depression and anxiety, 
I have some amazing research about the impact of magnesium on depression. It's also in my depression and one of my blog posts. But nutrition can be amazing to help you feel better. And it's one of the things that, you know, is an aspect of self-care. I mean, I do I eat junk food? Yeah, sometimes I eat junk food. Sometimes I eat too much junk food. But I balance it out and do enough good stuff. Well, okay, plus I take a few vitamins and supplements. But to really try to take care of my body. So we got sleep, we've got diet and nutrition. Next up, we've got moving your body. Well, I know nobody likes to exercise or talk about exercising, etc. But here's my analogy. I love using car analogies, by the way. So if you took your car or had a car and you just parked it in a garage or you just parked it on the street and you did not move it, drive it, turn it on for six or more months, you would be very lucky if that car started and even luckier if it ran okay. Like what we know about cars is you can't leave them sit forever and expect them to either for the ignition to turn over or for them to run or for them to run without sputtering. Why? Because cars need to have those fluids in the car running through the engine. And likewise, when you move your body, so notice I'm using use your body, you move your body instead of exercise. But when you move your body, it's really great for your lymphatic system. It gets everything going. And it doesn't have to be like massive workouts in the gym. You could just walk, you know, go for that 10,000 steps a year. But if you can think about, would you, you know, ever leave a car sitting forever without turning it on? No, you wouldn't. People who know cars know you can't, you can't do that. Well, you can do it, but you can't do it and expect that the car is going to run beautifully and amazingly. So likewise, moving your body is really, really good. Next up under the self-care is grooming. So if you're a guy, you know, shave or, you know, do your facial hair thing and, you know, it's showering, it's putting on decent clothes instead of it being in your pajamas all day. It's like, it's grooming. It's, you know, like I take a shower. Well, okay. I take a shower almost every single day. It's rare for me not to take a shower, even if I'm not going anywhere. And I look like I'm going somewhere all the time, even though I'm not. Why? Because I feel better. You're going to feel better if you take a shower every day or a hot bath or whatever you need. So grooming, get that grooming going because you'll feel better. Next up is environment. And I include environment because, I mean, how many shows do you have to watch on, you know, one of the home improvement channels where they, you know, take care of a hoarding problem where they redecorate or revamp and, and get things cleaned up and looking nice and people feel transformed. And they feel transformed because their environment feels better, looks better, is better. So when I talk about self-care, I do include environment because it's important. It can contribute to your well-being. It can contribute to your happiness or it can take away from your happiness or take away from your well-being. So setting up your environment to support you can be a great aspect of self-care. And I think it, it has to be on the list. And that includes, you know, your car, if you have a car or your, your work environment, if you're working not from home, like your environment, wherever you are as a person, you know, that's within your control is your environment. So set it up to support you, set it up to serve you. All right. So under self-care, we just fit covered the physical self-care. So I've got self-care broken down into physical self-care, emotional self-care, and a couple other, a couple other categories. I know I am like, 
I'm like a self-care enthusiast. I love it. It makes me happy. It makes me feel good. I'm, I'm very clear about the benefits. So, of course, I want you to get on the road and have all these great benefits, and I want you to love it too. Why not? All right, so that's physical self-care, what we just covered. Now we're going to talk about emotional self-care. And this is probably not something you'll find on the web. I don't know, because we're, we're just not... As a society, as the world, and, and, and as a country, you know, we're just really not great with emotional intelligence and emotional abilities. And using your emotions as a superpower is my second podcast. The title is Emotions as a Superpower. And emotions and being able to deal with your emotions are absolutely a major superpower. We just don't have those abilities, generally speaking. So under emotional self-care, my first recommendation is that you increase your emotional vocabulary. And I have, I have obviously, the second podcast is all about your emotions as a superpower. So if you're going to take on this journey of self-care, well, I hope you'll listen to podcasts too, because I want you having emotions as a superpower, because emotions, by the way, are one thing because people don't know how to how to manage, identify, manage, and process their emotions. Emotions are one of the things that just take people right out of the game. Something happens, it's in the negative emotion genre, and people are just out of the game. They're sapped of energy, they can't function, and they're just really, really down and out. So number one, increase your emotional vocabulary. And I have a little YouTube video, I don't know, it's probably four or five minutes on my YouTube channel where I go through <laughs> what I made my kids do when they were growing up. And, you know, you can hear about that on the second podcast, but really you've got to grow your emotional vocabulary because we do live in a world given by language. And the more you can pinpoint how you're feeling and what you're feeling, that's going to go a long way. The second step under emotional self-care is to learn how to process and manage your emotions. That's a whole subject. I mean, I talked about emotions as a superpower in the second podcast, but I really probably need to do another podcast on how once you've identified your emotions, how do you then, you know, process and manage them? But that's a, that's a whole that's a whole another huge huge topic. So while you're working to grow your emotional vocabulary and hopefully learn how to process, feel your feelings, process them and manage them, your one thing that will really help you or can help people is using affirmations to rewire your brain. So your brain has certain, you know, pathways, neuron pathways for your neurons and you can change that wiring. So I have a YouTube video called um, You Can Teach an Old Dog New Tricks. So I don't care what your age is when you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you are not too old. And affirmations are one of several different techniques that can rewire your brain. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. And while you're learning about your emotions, and working to grow your self-care and in particular to tame your inner critic, I'm suggesting that you use affirmations as a tool to rewire your brain. So what are affirmations? A lot of people don't know what they are. So an affirmation is a short statement or it could be, you know, a sentence. It could be two sentences that you're going to say out loud and 
and you can also say it in your head over and over again, like, you know, multiple times a day to create new neural pathways in your brain because your brain right now is set up probably with a, probably, likely, reasonably, a harsh inner critic. So to tame your inner critic, you need, you need a technique, you need to do something to, to change that and, and affirmations is one way. So let me give you an example of two examples of affirmations. One would be to make the statement, I am good enough. Just that one statement, because a lot of people don't feel like they're good enough. So if you, if you have the, I'm not good enough, you could have a, an affirmation that says, I'm good enough. Or you could have an affirmation that says, I'm better than good enough. I'm really great. Or, you know, you could go wherever you want with that. Another example from um, someone I worked with, um, she chose happiness is a choice and I choose to be happy. And that, you know, called to her and inspired her. I think it's actually a really fantastic one. But you want to look and see what are the affirmations that would change your inner critic and, you know, start to tame your inner critic and you use affirmations over and over and over again to rewire and create those new pathways because your inner critic is in your, your unconscious or your subconscious mind, which is a whole nother topic that I'll be talking about in an upcoming podcast on dealing with overwhelm because over, that's where overwhelm uh, is typically generated. So an affirmation, you pick whatever statement you're going to say and, you know, by the way, I recommend you have them in writing. I recommend you have them like all over the place. And you just really take on rewiring your brain because you want to tame that inner critic. It's really important. And lastly, under the emotional self-care, you want to ditch any negative thinking, catastrophizing, or disempowering attitudes and beliefs. Now, I do have a disempowering attitudes and beliefs video on my YouTube channel, and I have an empowering attitudes and beliefs, and I do have one also on negative thinking. So to increase your self-care and increase your self-compassion, negative thinking has to go. Negative thinking is just never good. All right, next up, that was going to help you establish and boost your self-care and self-compassion is to establish boundaries. And a lot of people don't really know what boundaries are and they don't have boundaries, but boundaries are critical to self-care because they establish, having boundaries establishes guidelines and practices and habits that lead to good mental health and well-being. Now, if you don't have boundaries or you have poor boundaries, that can lead to anger, resentment, burnout, and other negative things, very bad things. So you're in good company. If you really don't know what boundaries are, it's not really something that we talk about in society, but we should be talking about it. And basically boundaries are where, where you set limits of what you will and won't do, what you will and won't tolerate, who's responsible for what, and many other things. And I have some information on <laughs> some examples that probably fall under the boundaries categories uh, a little bit later on here coming up. So it's important that you have boundaries. And like I would, when my kids were growing up, I would never ever once think about going into their rooms and going through their stuff and 
getting in their personal business because I have boundaries. And there's quite a few other things that I would never consider and never did as a parent because I have boundaries. And I'm not saying that as a parent you shouldn't go through your kid's room if you've got a kid who's you know, involved in some bad activities, it may be appropriate, but generally speaking, it's probably not appropriate. So establishing boundaries can go a long, long, long way to help you boost your self-care and self-compassion. Um, next up, learn to be assertive. I have a blog post about being assertive. I have a YouTube video about being assertive. I probably eventually will do a podcast about being assertive. Being assertive is extremely valuable in life, and it will definitely help you boost your self-care and self-compassion. Because when you're being assertive, you're not only just expressing your own wants, needs, desires, but you're also factoring in and respecting other people's needs, wants, values, and wishes. So it's it's very, very beneficial. It's assertive, I think, should be taught in elementary school. All right, spiritual self-care. So some of you aren't spiritual, don't believe in God or religion. That's fine. No problem. No issue here. I personally do. And for the listeners who are, you know, practicing, you know, religious practices or spiritual practices can really provide added benefits for boosting your self-care and also taming your inner critic. So praying or, you know, reading the Bible or what, what have you, that's an aspect that can boost your self-care. And, and to me, it is an aspect. And if you're not religious, then it wouldn't be. All right, next up, having a purpose in life, uh, a roadmap, or it could be a bucket list, or it could be some goals. When you have difficult times, and we're really in the throes of some of the most difficult times we've had in my lifetime and, and even longer than my lifetime, it's really powerful to have something to look forward to, something that inspires you, something that excites you. And one of the ways to do that is to have things that you look forward to. So it could be on a life plan, you know, something that you want to do with your life. It could be, you know, bucket list items. It could be, it could be anything. I'm a fan of having a roadmap or a life plan and I have a blog post and a video about that. It doesn't have to be that big, but when you're struggling with depression, anxiety, loneliness, all the negative things that are going on right now, because we're in a pandemic, you need every trick in the book to feel better and you need every trick in the book to pull you forward, to pull you, you know, really pull you and having a purpose, even if it's volunteering, that is like volunteering is amazing. <laughs> okay. You know, or it could be a hobby. I mean, like you need things to pull you through. And so that's one of my go-to things. when I work with people, I really like them to have things that they're going to look forward to. And sometimes, very often, people will start with a very small list, which is fine. It's not about the size. It's not about the quality. It's about you being functional and happy and inspired. Next up on my list for self-care and self-compassion is doing what makes you happy. So up, one of my upcoming podcasts is on generating your own happiness and, and happiness. 
many people just, they don't know what makes them happy and that's okay. It's okay if you don't know while you're listening to this podcast, what makes you happy. But I'm going to ask you to start thinking about it. I'm going to ask you to put on, you know, an exploring hat and go explore what might make you happy and and start to engage in that question. Hmm. Like I know being around young children always makes me happy because young children are fun. Just kids are amazing. And I like actually being around kids of all ages. Actually, okay, I really like everybody, old people, young people, whatever. But I'm clear about what makes me happy because I use the things that make me happy and I sprinkle my life with it, my day with it. I know how to turn around my emotions by relying on a list of things that make me happy and figuring out when and where I can do them. So that's going to be helpful. Next up on your journey for self-care and self-compassion is to grow your time management skills. That's really going to help you. Next up is to get a reward system. So I have a blog post and a video about that. I frequently talk about having a reward system because look, life is hard. There's just no way around it. Life was hard before we had a pandemic. Life has always been hard. It's just been easier for some or harder for some, or actually, you know, some people have better coping mechanisms or emotional skills where the same trauma or hardship doesn't impact them the way it impacts other people. So having a reward system is a great way to provide motivation while you're building self-mastery skills, self-discipline skills, and getting your emotions turned around. So I'm going to touch on just a couple examples of self-care for my own life so you can kind of get a real-life sense of that because I actually do an awful lot to take care of myself and I don't want to sound like a braggart or, you know, some arrogant blank, blank. But, you know, self-care is important. And I work so hard to take care of myself because I don't want my kids to have to do it when I'm old. Well, I'm already, I'm already old, but when I'm old, old. Um, So number one, I, I just don't allow people to exploit me or manipulate me. And, and sometimes that just comes in the form of me saying no. Next, I really make it an effort to distance myself from negative people or people who lack integrity or character because that's just a no-go for me and I just I'm, I just won't do it. Now sometimes of course I don't know people are lacking character or integrity until I really get to know them but boy once 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 lack of inter- integrity or lack of character comes up I'm like I'm out of there. And that like helps me take care of myself because it's too painful and stressful for me to be around people who do bad or mean stuff. I just, I just don't have a tolerance for that. I also try to stay clear of people who lack boundaries or who are mean to other people. I just don't, I just don't have the stomach for that. And if, you know, same for people who are going to be uppity or look down on people. I just don't want that kind of pretense or fakeness in my life. Um, Now, sometimes... (laughs) If I have an emotional thing that I'm processing, I might have to take a little nap. I mean, if I, you know, I can't go to bed too early or I'm up too early. So, you know, there's, you know, sometimes I'll take a little nap to, you know, manage my self-care and my self-compassion. I will terminate a discussion that's really not a discussion. Maybe it's a quasi-conversation or, you know, some other 
discussion where someone's projecting or they're gaslighting or they're monsterizing or they're being emotional or they're using emotional reasoning, which is a cognitive distortion. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll, I'll just end it and say, well, we're not going to talk about this right now because, etc. Um, I take myself out of situations that for me are toxic. Like I just not going to be in a toxic or unhealthy situation. So for me also, I don't hold grudges and that's a way of self-compare, self-care and self-compassion because forgiveness is always about you. Forgiveness is not for the other person. You don't forgive someone for their benefit. You forgive someone for your own benefit. And I have a blog post about that. I'm also someone who doesn't believe in taking things personally, which contributes enormously to my self-care and self-compassion. And, you know, if I'm realize that I'm in a situation where it's unnecessarily painful or I'm being disrespected or treated badly, you know, I will take myself out of that because why would I allow myself to do that? And the other thing that I do that's an example of, of self-care is I don't allow people to waste my time. My time is valuable. Your time is valuable. When we have mutual respect for each other, we don't want to waste each other's time. Why would we do that? And last example of self-care for me is being assertive and speaking my truth. Now that's not being aggressive. It's not like running over people. You know, assertiveness really involves, you know, everybody and, and, considering and having respect for everybody involved but you know being assertive and standing up for myself in an assertive you know reasonable way is another example of how I have self-care in my life all right so now we're going to move on to self-compassion and I just have a couple little suggestions for that because Take, taming your inner critic is a process that's going to take you a little while. And I do talk about taming your inner critic in my, um, I think it's emotions as a superpower podcast, but one of the other ones, but number one for self-compassion, if you have low self-esteem, your self-loathing, you're a negative thinker, or you're really struggling in life my suggestion would be that you make a list of your, of your strengths or good qualities. So that could be traits. It could be skills. It's like anything good you can think about yourself. And I'm not kidding about this, by the way, I would write them down. That's like every good thing about you, whether it's a personality trait or a skill <coughs> that you have, write it down and you're going to look at it and you're going to let that in, which I did by the way, with my kids when they were like back in 2003. So they were very little that doing that exercise and seeing in print in writing your strengths and your good qualities and looking at it and letting it sink in over time is going to help you tame your inner critic because you know, logically, if you have a, a good list, and I mean, put everything, every possible thing, that's going to make a difference over time. Now, the next thing is, you're going to, so you're going to make this list, and you're going to start looking at it, and reading it, and letting it sink in. 
But then the next thing, which I already mentioned, is to use affirmations. Affirmations are a very, very powerful tool to rewire your brain using neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity of the brain, by the way, I find extremely fascinating. I, lo I love anything about the brain. Well, I love a lot of things, but, and I do have that video on you can teach an old dog new tricks because I just, just love this kind of stuff. And the last suggestion under self-compassion is really being present. And I have a video about that. Really being present is not something that most people understand or have a good um, facility around, but being present is being right here, right now, in this moment. Not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future, just being in the moment, free of constraints, free of like, judging and assessing and all the little chatter and noise that can, you know, be going on in your head and being present will really be valuable to help you grow your self-compassion. So those are my recommendations. And uh, what I'm going to eventually do is take the podcast material, which is different than my blog posts. I mean, I do glean material from my blog posts as content for the podcast, but they're not, they're not the same. I'm not saying the same thing. I'm not reading my blog posts, but I will eventually get to the point where I take some of the podcasts and put it up on the blog post so you can get some of the printed lists and the steps, etc. So here's my final thoughts for you. So self-care and self-compassion are two critical skills. I call them foundational skills in life that everyone needs to have. Everyone. This is just not optional. If you want to be happy, if you want to be well-loved, if you want to be healthy, there's just, it's not like, how is that possible if you're not taking care of yourself? It's just not possible. So this is not optional. And you could take this on and have it be wildly fun. Like, I don't care, you know, what your current situation is or what your current circumstances are. You can get on this journey and start taking care of yourself. Just start taking one step, one action. Of course, I really would like you to get a reward system because they're fun and they work. But get people to go on this journey with you. If you look around society, I used to do this with my kids when they were very young. If we were in a big, big, big store, grocery store, wherever, and they were young, and I'd say, look around. And they'd look around and I'd say, do the people you see look happy? And they'd be like, no, no, they don't look happy. Yeah, we live in a world where people are unhappy and unhealthy, and you don't have to be that way. So hopefully my kids are going to be happy because they've been, you know, immersed in the happiness. But get some people to go on this ride with you, to take on self-care and take on self-compassion. Now, if you have kids, you could do it with your kids. You could do if you if you don't have any friends, which, by the way, is uber common, so common, then it's time to make friends. I have bunch of videos on my YouTube channel about making friends. I have a blog post, but take people with you because you're going to be more successful. Of course, I do mean only people with character and integrity. So even if you haven't been taking care of yourself or you have this really harsh inner critic, it's not too late. Like, listen, I coach people who are older than myself, I coach younger people. It's never too late. 
you, you know, you're still in the game of life. You can do this. So here's my call to action for you. It's time for action. It's time to get in action and make it fun. You can make a game out of it. You can set up some fun rewards. You can play, you know, bring on laughter, bring on fun. And, you know, what I'd like you to do is connect with me on social media, visit my website, share my information to help people. You know, my book is out and it does cost money to buy the ebook or the, the paperback book, but all of the content in my book is on my website so people can go there and read it for free. There's no excuses. It's free information. And then there's the podcast and the YouTube videos. Help other people by sharing my content. Help other people by you getting in action and you taking on your life because there's a ripple effect to that. And people are going to see it and they're going to notice and they're going to say, hmm, Look what they're doing. I think I want to do that. But make it fun. Like life is too too short not to be fun. I, I by the way, on speaking about fun. I decided in high school that I was not going to be the serious old funny daddy adult by looking at some of the school personnel, we'll leave it at that, and and their attitudes and way of ways of being. I just decided at a young age, hey, I'm going to get old someday, but I'm not going to be like this old Fill in the blank. I'm going to have fun in my life. Why not? Why not have fun? I don't know. Because you just want to suffer? No, it's time to have fun. And it's time to bring self-care and self-compassion into your life. Why not? I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you so much for listening to the Love Life Podcast, episode number four. Feel better with self-care and self-compassion. I so hope that you're going to start boosting your self-care right away and also to start taming your inner critic and being kinder to yourself. Please feel free to connect with me on my website, www.lisaalundy.com, where you can read the content of my new book for free on the website. And you can also enter my giveaway to win some cool prizes or just to connect with me on social media. Thank you so much. Take care. Love you.